<laughs> Welcome to Wolfman's Podcast, The Dairy Connection. We talk about ice cream, milk, uh, cheese. I get it. There you dairy. go. Dairy. Thank you. Thank you. Very nice. Very much. Did you know there are other worlds in these where they all float or get a bad disease? Let's all go to Castle Rock. We can hitch a ride with Christine. And you will find the Dairy Connection. And we can party like it's 6 1999. Welcome to the third episode of the Dairy Connection. I'm Maya. I like to talk about Stephen King. Uh, with me today is my friend Patrick, also known as the Wolfman. Hi, Patrick. Hi, Maya. Thanks for having me. Thanks for inviting me into your home and into, oh, your, so into your listeners' ears. I, You know, I thought of you because um, most of our relationship has been us making fun of each other for Stephen King tweets. Well, here's the thing. I don't know if I would say it's making fun of you <laughs> so much as it was me trying to constantly temper your excitement over the Dark Tower. Uh, I know. It it did help. I think it, it helped me be less crushed when I saw that movie. Okay, good. See, so ultimately <laughs> I was doing you like a service. I wasn't I, I wasn't know. mocking you. I uh ultimately I was right. So I'm just it's glad true. I could help. You're a good friend. Um so you uh the Wolfman, you have a popular uh horror website called The Wolfman Cometh, um where you talk about horror m- movies, right? Mostly movies. Yeah, uh, I do want to correct you though that you said popular. Uh, it uh, is. I think it's... It is a URL that I registered, <laughs> so that can be backed up. But the uh, <laughs> the popular thing is very subjective. But you're is being it... quite kind, so I appreciate I, it. I thought it was the preeminent horror blog on the internet. Um, some like to say that. Mostly my mom and business cards. Uh, and me. But, and you, and you, of course. Yes, you must speak with her a lot. She <laughs> must be a guest on the Dairy Connection quite Ooh, regularly. Yes. Uh, yes. But, but yes, I do have a horror movie blog, uh, which has gotten me a variety of different actual paying jobs. So I'm going yeah, to awesome. keep talking about horror movies uh, on the internet as long as it keeps getting me free stuff. Perfect. And so how often do you talk about Stephen King on this blog? You know, that's a good question. Um, I, you know, I might be jumping the gun. I might be getting ahead of you a bit, but it's because uh, I assume at some point you're going to ask me my favorite Stephen King movie or a Absolutely. big Stephen King connection I have or something like that. And I would say more than necessarily discussing his works, uh, I'll use previous adaptations or TV shows as like a reference point, you know? So if I'm talking about anthology movies, I might be talking about uh, creep show or, or something like that. So more than uh, it, he's just such a part of pop culture and just horror in general. It's such a simple go-to reference point for people because I would say that there are people who Uh, you know, maybe like five, six years ago, didn't even entirely understand what an anthology horror movie was. And and they've seen a surge in popularity lately. So if I could say, oh, it's kind of like Creepshow, where it's five different shorts that they would be like, oh, that's what you mean. Thank you, sir. Here's here's some money. Yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting point, because I do think that um, Stephen King, for a lot of people, is their entry point into horror. 
Um, he certainly was for me. And I think what's, what's always funny for me is like people, when they talk about Stephen King, they talk about him as the master of horror. And if you've never read him before, you think his stuff is so scary. I actually like it because I find it not very scary. Yeah, it's, you know, I I will defer to you on all Stephen King quotes, <laughs> uh, you know, but I, he's often said, like, why use 10 cent words when five cent words can get the job yep. done? Like the, those types of, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't try to make himself sound smarter than he is. He talks very uh, matter of factly. He doesn't, he, he's not known for his poetry. It's just that he has all these awesome ideas. And of course, that's why uh, they keep getting turned into movies or TV shows. And uh, one of the recent interviews I read with him, I, I think it was with Vulture last week, that they said, like, what do you think about you have, like, six adaptations coming out this year? Yeah, it's crazy. What do you think, like, why are you so excited or, or why do you not care how much of your stuff gets adapted? And his big thing is, like, I have made so many different stories. I do not give a crap what people do with them as opposed to, like, you know, William, uh, not William Friedkin, uh, Peter, William Peter Blatty? Uh, who wrote The Exorcist, or uh -huh. Ira Levin, who wrote Rosemary's Baby. Like, they only had a handful of books, so they were a little bit more protective, whereas Stephen King's just like, uh, sure, make that a whatever you want, because I have two dozen more stories coming out in the next year. <laughs> That's a good segue into one of the movies that he had that came out this year was Gerald's Game. Um, which just came out on Friday, but you got to watch it early because, uh, as we mentioned before, you're a very popular journalist. <laughs> That's right. I was <laughs> able to bother publicists enough <laughs> to say, can I see this early? And they eventually were able to say, like, well, it comes out Friday. All right, you can watch it on Tuesday. So nice. it was. I felt very honored, yes. Did you, did you get to go to a screening, or did they just give you a... Do they still give DVDs, or is it like... They just email you the movie. Yeah, they just email. They, it's all those Vimeo links, baby. That's oh, yeah. uh, well. Plus, it's Netflix, so yeah, they have their own whole service. But yeah, they just sent that link on over. I just watched Gerald's Game from my couch, like Amazing. you know, all other peasants watching Gerald's Game. So did you still, did you like dress up as if you were going to a screening? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, absolutely. I spent at least thirty minutes getting ready. But the thing is, I typically go to screenings wearing sweatpants. So, uh -huh. like, it, it, I did <laughs> dress the part, but the part is not a good part. Right. So, uh, so what? And have you have you read the book, Gerald's Game? I have not. D did you read okay, the book? So this, yeah. Okay. Great. That's great. So, so did you know going into the movie? Did you know what it was about? Like, did I assume you knew like the rough outline of the plot? Oh yeah, yeah. So I mean. Uh, another part of my actual, you know, part of my actual job is writing about movies. And, and uh, one thing that I regularly write about are Stephen King adaptations, again, just because there are so many. So, yeah, I've I've kept uh, very close up, very close up. That's not how you say those words. <laughs> I've kept a very close eye on the development of Gerald's game. Um, and so not only did I know. A rough idea of the plot, but also reading about Mike Flanagan's mm -hmm. uh, pursuit of this and how, like, ever since he moved to Hollywood, he would keep a copy of Gerald's Game in his bag with 
every studio meeting he had. So when they would say, like, what do you really want to do? He would pull out a copy of Gerald's Game and say, this is what I want to bring to life. So Yeah. And can you like can you tell me more about that because I keep hearing that this has it's been his dream to make this particular movie for like you know 20 years or something. First of all, when you saw this movie, did you think that was weird that this was the one he was obsessed with making because I found it a little weird. So, so absolutely because I think another part of and this is backing up a little bit uh in Stephen King's uh very directness mm-hmm. Stephen Stephen King I think is uh, very horny. <laughs> so, lots of his stories like really make me uncomfortable when they deviate yeah. into the world of sex. Uh, a friend of mine actually started a a Tumblr where she was reading all the Stephen King books and keeping a boner count of oh this is God, how many times so Stephen King wrote boner in this book. Um, um, what is the URL of this Tumblr? Uh. You know what? I do want to just say, why don't you just Google Stephen King boners? Okay. But that, I will. I will Google Stephen King boners. Yeah, it's it's gonna be a dicey uh, result regardless. <laughs> so yeah, that that's again knowing how much sex was like a part of this, and that knowing that this was like a somewhat controversial story. But I think ultimately it was that Mike Flanagan was just you know he was interested in the story and was more so interested in the challenge of yes. like, because it isn't just a, for, for those listening, it's, you know, one woman chained up to a bed throughout mm-hmm. 80% of the story. So I think it was more of a, this is a really interesting story. Uh, I want to be the one to bring this to life. And uh, eventually he did. I was, I was very surprised that it was what, 400 pages long. Yeah. That I thought it was like a, just a short story when I was hearing about it, but knowing that it's like, no, this is a full-blown, bloated Stephen King novel. Yeah, what well, uh, is Stephen King? Yeah. It's it's hard to get anything under four hundred pages. So overall, did you? It sounds like you liked the movie. I did. Um, I here's the thing. All right. Um, I've seen this this director's I've seen four of three of his movies now. You saw Hush. I saw Hush. I saw Ouija Begins. Um, Ouija Year One. Ouija the Beginning. Whatever the hell you want to call it. And uh, another movie he did called Oculus. Mm-hmm. And Oculus Hush Ouija, which I just watched maybe two or three weeks ago very much do not like any of them. Really? You didn't like Hush? I did not like... I mean, I would say that's better than the other two. Um, Wow. So, I was very prepared for like, well, this is not going to be good. This this is going to be some degree of bad, but how bad it is... uh, So I went into it with a somewhat pessimistic uh, mindset. Mm -hmm. And so I was entertained and I was definitely engaged the whole time and I would say this is the director's best movie but uh, I I can't really say that I I loved it or that I was like a huge fan of it and it screened um, this past weekend and of course it was uh, it's now on Netflix and I see tons of people whose opinions I've trust 
saying like it's incredible it's the best Stephen yep. King adaptation yes. in a decade and this that and the other and so it's like I, I just feel compelled to give it another watch to see if maybe I'm missing something or if maybe I, I just didn't connect with it all that much yeah, I so I, I agree with you. Um, I had the same. I so I watched it without reading any reviews, um, and I thought it was fine. It was better than I thought. So I Gerald's game I've read before. I thought the book was fine. I thought the movie was fine. Um, I thought he did a better job than I could have imagined someone doing. Because um, you know, from the, like the book is so much narration, it's hard to imagine it. But I, I do think he did a good job. Um, and when I went and looked at the reviews, everyone was like, this is the greatest Stephen King adaptation ever made. Someone said, sorry, it, this is how you make a good Stephen King movie. And I was like, whoa, like that's, that's a very strong, like it is clearly, you know, I think it depends on what kind of horror movie you like. But I mean, for me in particular, like this is the exact kind of horror movie that I don't like because there's a ton of boring buildup. The, uh, the (laughs) scares are like really fast jump scares, which I hate. Um, and I like it's just the formula for me is not the kind of movie that I like. Um, but I guess I see like I sort of wonder if the people raving about it are people who read the book like me and were like, how could you ever make a movie out of this? And then they're just impressed that he did it at all. Right. Yeah. It's well, from the, the feedback I've been reading and what I absolutely agree with is I think Carla Gugino, I think she's oh, amazing. Great. Like the fact that she has yes. to carry so much of that movie um, and I think some of my issues with it, and you know, for those of you who haven't seen it, this doesn't really you know give much away. That it's fifty percent just yeah, it's a woman chained to a bed, trying to get out of the bed, and it's very claustrophobic and frustrating. And then there's the other like fifty percent of it where it's psychological stuff and just her kind of zoning out and letting her mind wander into her her past and connections between like you know her husband and her childhood and this and that and the other and it's I didn't feel either element was done strongly enough you know like they they because he had to combine psychological with physical dangers neither one of them got to be as scary as I wanted them to be or or as fleshed out as I wanted them to be. I also think it's one of those horror movies where, like, there's just one sudden, like, sort of torture-porny scene that, like, if you didn't know that you were in for that, I, f- I feel like if I was not a person who could handle that kind of horror, I would have been really mad when that happened. Yeah, and... See, I think that was the point in the movie where I was like, oh, okay, this that's right, this is a horror movie that right, I'm watching right. and not like and so in that in that respect, it I found uh, the scene in particular that I know you're talking about because it's what yeah. everybody's we, talking about. Yeah, we should just so this is we're going to say spoilers if you don't want to hear it, don't listen, but we're talking about the the moment where she degloved her own hand to escape the handcuffs. Exactly. So, so I'm coming like I'm coming off of watching watching this guy's like shitty CGI supernatural yeah. <laughs> at like Ouija movie where at one point a ghost literally climbs into the mouth of a little child, uh-huh. and I'm like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> to like, oh, this is like a compelling and disgusting practical effect in a film that is been kind of bland so far so like that 
totally snapped me back into it. And I was like, oh, you know what? Maybe I do like this movie. And then in classic Stephen King tradition, when I thought it was over, it continued going for another 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah. I, maybe that's, that's you know, part of, uh, part of Stephen King's intentions is I feel like those final chapters, those final scenes, yeah. often kind of take away from the horror of the story and kind of mm-hmm. end up grounding it a little bit more in reality. So, you know, maybe that is fully intentional and he's like, I'm not a horror writer. I just write funny right. stories, which I'm sure he's <laughs> said plenty of times. As as I said, you're the experts on quotes. Uh, so look up if he says, I don't write horror movies. I write funny stories. Uh, but yes, so that's the answer to your question. Why do you think he does that in his stories? Like, why do you think it's that he's trying to prove that he's not a horror writer? Or do you think, like, my impression is kind of, I think that it happens because he doesn't like to stop writing these stories. Like, I think he can't help himself from writing three epilogues for every story. Because he wants to know what happens. I, I want to see, he doesn't strike me as a person who's like, because he has so many stories and so many characters. He doesn't strike me as a person who's like, Oh, well, you know, I just, it wasn't me who was actually writing. It was the characters were telling me their stories and I just had to finish. I don't think that's it at all. I think it's that he sits down at a typewriter or computer, whatever he's. I think it's a typewriter still. There, of course. Yeah. So he's sitting down (laughs) at his typewriter and he doesn't stop writing until someone knocks on his door like, oh, your check is ready. So, and he's like, "Oh, okay." I, see, my see, book was done. My book was done like three weeks ago, but I just had nothing else to do. So, sure, all right. At the end, perfect. Uh-huh. <laughs> I I really like that theory, and I, that would explain a lot of his books. That would certainly explain, you know, the Dark Tower. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but I so you know I know this is the Gerald's Game podcast. But because you did bring it up earlier, did you find it to be a more uh, successful adaptation of his work? Yes. Well, okay. So yes, with a caveat. So I liked it more as a movie. Um, Gerald's Game, I think, like you said, was a it, it was a fine movie. I, I was talking to someone today who said like it's fine if you just want like a default Netflix horror movie. Like it's good enough. It's right. a relatively simple plot. Whatever. Um, it, I think, is a powerhouse that people will be talking about for years, and I think that it will turn an entire new generation onto Stephen King, whereas Gerald's Game is like, I don't think, I think it's the kind of thing where people won't even realize it was a Stephen King book, you know, like yeah. The Green Mile or Shawshank. Um, so I thought it was fine. I thought it was more successful, but um, one thing that I did agree with, the I think it was the AV Club had the article that said, you know, sorry, it, whatever, this is a good Stephen King movie. Um I've been complaining, you don't know this, but on every episode of this podcast so far, about how when I watch these Stephen King movies, I don't understand why they're not trying harder to connect it to his other works like he does in the books, because I feel like that's such an easy way to win over Stephen King fans. Right. And, and this guy, so Mike Flanagan, loves Stephen King, and he like specifically, he made an effort to not only to stay true to the story, which he did very closely, but also to, to have these 
fun like Easter eggs for Stephen King fans, which made me so happy. So like I, I've you know I've watched God knows how many Stephen King movies this year, and most of them I leave, including The Dark Tower, which was like a whole thing. I, I that one is the one that's inexcusable to me, but. Um, with it, you know, I went into it and I was like, okay, it is also really close to the center of the Stephen King multiverse. Like, the Dark Tower is the real center, but it is so involved in so many different stories. And I really thought that that would be a great opportunity to, like, you know, again, because this new generation is going to enter the world of Stephen King through this movie, like, mention other stories, you know, and, and they just didn't. Um, and I guess that just wasn't their priority. And so I loved, with Mike Flanagan, like, he really made a clear effort to do that. Um, and I also, so one weird thing that I that I learned when I was researching this, um, there were a bunch of moments in the movie where I was like, or at least a couple that I can think of where, um, for example, like, I, I forget who it is, but someone picks up a book off of the, like, the, the uh, headboard of the bed. It's called Midnight Mass. And I was like, what the fuck is Midnight Mass? Like, that would have been a great opportunity to plant, like, a Paul Sheldon book or, right. you know, like, something. Bill Denbro or, like, all of these characters that are writers in Stephen King's universe. And I looked it up, and Midnight Mass, I don't know if you rec- do you recognize the name of that? No. It is the novel that Maddie is writing in Hush. Oh, Okay. So, like, so I found that kind of cute because I feel like Mike Flanagan, in a way, is sort of paying homage to Stephen King by building his own universe, oh, which is kind of cool. Okay, but here's the thing, you know, and now I'm angry. I don't know if you've if you've seen the, the movie he did, Oculus, which is about a haunted mirror. No. So it's, you know, whatever, haunt, it's a spooky mirror, and... It's uh, the frame of it is incredibly ornate and intricate mm-hmm. and stuff. And just the other day, I saw someone like retweet Mike Flanagan saying like, "Oh, all you yep. Oculus fans, pay close attention to that headboard." And it's like, wait, so this is a Stephen King adaptation, <laughs> and you are plugging your own movies into it. So, yeah. so now it's like, yeah, you, Maya, are absolutely correct, and it should have been. Hey, here's I'm gonna take a back seat to Stephen King because he is way better than I am at everything. Yeah. But uh, no, I'm gonna have this this little plug for Hush, another movie that went straight to Netflix. Yeah, uh, well, the, the I, Mike yeah. Flanagan Netflix cinematic universe is not yeah. something <laughs> I'm signing up for. Right, I think that's fair, but I I do I feel like. As a, a Stephen King super fan myself, like Mike Flanagan is, I feel like I would try and like awkwardly do the same thing if I made books or movies, right? Like I would, I, I respect so much that Stephen King has been able to build this thing, and I would want to do like little things like that for my fans too. But I also agree with you that I don't think he super has like Oculus fans. Maybe he does. No, like I, don't, I didn't look at the replies to that tweet. <laughs> yeah, no, Maybe he does there not. are people out there who are like Mike Flanagan is my Stephen King. And, like, they notice those two weird things. And, like, you know, if you, if you do, that's great. But but it's it really, that, the first Oculus thing, I was like, okay, sure, he's paying homage to one of his own movies. It's not a big deal. But now knowing that he's like, ha-ha, for all you, I know. For all you Flana fans out there. <laughs> that's good. Check out this. Um, <laughs> but uh, b- before I before I lose the, the thought, um... Well, I guess there were two thoughts that that came to mind about yeah. how insane it was that the Dark Tower released that trailer early yeah. on in the week of its release, where they were like, <laughs> "Guys, that's Cujo, that's mm-hmm. Christine, those are twin." Like, see, Stephen King, and then you watch that movie, and it has nothing. Like, you know, I know 
it has nothing to do other than, you know, they might have, uh, Idris Elba might have, you know, looked into the camera and been like, oh, that over there, that's Castle on the Rock. We call that Castle Rock. And, you know, kept, kept went about his business. Uh, yes. That was very frustrating. And yes. a connection to uh, it and what movie were we talking about? Gerald's Game. Gerald's Game. Uh, so Gerald's Game, Mr. Moonlight, the idea of somebody in your presence who is a dangerous presence but isn't making themselves known as a threat. I would like to plug a movie for you to, to potentially watch on your free time. I don't know if it's actually out yet, but there's there's a movie called Freehold. Freehold. F-R-E-E. Hold. Freehold. Uh, okay. And... It stars the person who played the leper in It. And I don't know how well you remember the leper from It. Like the the zombie guy who was in the yard for two seconds? Correct. Uh, Okay. That guy also played the crooked man in The Conjuring 2. Okay. And he's six foot six and weighs 120 pounds. Wow. Because he has... Marfan syndrome. Uh-huh. Marf- so he's six foot six, only weighs 120 pounds, and in this movie Freehold, he plays a guy living in someone else's apartment who the guy doesn't know that he lives there. So oh he, my god! So he like lives. He stays under the bed. He'll stay back, buried deep in a part of a closet that the guy can't see, and because he has such a frail frame. He can kind of fit himself into tight places. And, you know, he only comes out of these nooks and crannies while the other guy's at work. And he eats, you know, a tiny amount of food from the guy's cereal box. He, you know, consumes the bare minimum stuff to just stay alive in this person's apartment. And it's a terrifying idea of why is someone living in my apartment? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you appreciate Stephen King more for writing uh, a story about a woman empowering herself? Or are you irritated that this is Stephen King's perception of women empowerment? Yeah, that's a good question. I'm biased because I love Stephen King. <laughs> um, I So I actually, I saw Stephen King... Uh, this week, I went to a, a reading that he and uh, Owen were doing for. That's Sleeping right. I Beauties. saw that. Yeah, I saw you you tweeting about that. Yeah. Yes, which was awesome. Um, it was so cool. It was the first time I've ever been in the same room with him. Uh, I really had a good time. Um, and he, so he and his son Owen were like doing a reading, and they were t- like telling stories and asking each other questions about basically like Owen's childhood growing up with Stephen King or whatever. Um, and one of the things, like, I think maybe someone from the audience asked him, like, you know, this book is about women. Like, how do you go about writing, you know, female characters? Because he has a bunch of books with, like, 
however you want to interpret it, but I would say strong female characters. Um, and he said that when he first, I don't remember what book it was, maybe Carrie, uh, when he first tried to write a book with a strong female lead, he asked his wife, Tabby, for help. Um, you know, and he was like, how do, how do I think like a woman? How do I write a, a woman character? Whatever. And she's, you know, her answer was just write them like you would write a man, you know? And he was like, oh, okay. Um, and he, he said that the, the trick for him to writing characters is to remember that everyone has a backstory. Like every tiny character has a backstory and all of them are boring. <laughs> so I, I, I just love that so much. And so I, I think that he does a great job of, I will say a good job writing female characters. I definitely think like, obviously like, you know, we were talking about it, like the portrayal of Bev is a little problematic. Um, I think you could say the same for Jesse in this story. Um, when I, so when I was reading like the, the book and I came to the, the scene with her getting, you know, molested by her father, how, whatever you want to call it. Um, I think it is sort of worse in the book than it is in the movie, but, um, I remember that being done in a sort of, um, a way that made sense. Like it was like, okay, like this adds to her character. It's horrible. I, I, I sort of understand where she's coming from the movie. I felt like handled it a little sloppily. Um, like the, it, I was sort of like cringing the whole time and not because it was just, uh, it was disturbing, but I was also cringing because like that whole scene felt like sort of like a bad porno or something. Like it was just all of a sudden everyone was acting poorly. Like, I I don't know if you had the same, the same impression, but I felt like it was so awkwardly shoved into the movie for me. Um, If I feel, I feel like Elliot from ET, you know, might as well have been licking his lips from the moment he came on screen. Like, like that was how uh, forced those. Oh, everyone else is yeah. going to go out on the boat. <laughs> well, <laughs> it, like he might as well have just been waggling his eyebrows the whole time of like, yes, it's going to be me in the dark. Yeah, so I I totally agree that yes. it was it was very heavy handed. Yeah, so I think my my concern would be if if someone's first experience with Stephen King was this movie, um, they might think that he's maybe like oversimplifying those kinds of issues, um, which I think he he could maybe be accused of. But I do think he tends to handle it better because he's I think in writing he's really good at showing like people's motivations and that everyone is flawed and like you sort like I just remember in the book sort of it felt like not you know obviously not okay and still horrible and whatever, but it felt like it made more sense that that was the progression of their relationship. Whereas in the movie, it was just like, Oh, her dad's a creep. I don't really get it. I think the one thing that, that stuck out for me is when they said like, Oh, these handcuffs, these handcuffs were made for men. Oh, I was yeah. like, wait, what <laughs> do men like do, <laughs> do men n- not have wrists the same way that <laughs> women do do I need to look at an anatomy book to see all the ways in which a man's wrist? Because I need to start asking asking the police for women handcuffs so that way I can escape from them more easily, possibly. But who yeah, yeah who knows? That's that's I guess that's uh, Gerald's game for you. Nobody that's can Gerald's really win Gerald's game. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> That probably should have been the tagline. Well, all right. Well, just just put that at the beginning. Chop it down to a good five minutes. Yep. And that's Gerald. <laughs> See, that's what Mr. Moonlight should have said at the end. Uh, thank you so much. Nobody. <laughs> that's Gerald's game for you. Yeah. 
<laughs> I agree. That probably would have been a better ending. Ah, there's always Gerald's um, Game 2. There's always Gerald's Game 2. What do you think Gerald's Game 2 would be like? I want to know more about the dog. I want to know about uh-huh. the dog's adventures. He, in the book, his name is Prince. Interesting. Well, we all know what happened to the real Prince, which mm, is too, too soon. Too soon. <laughs> uh, but, okay, hear me out. Think about a Gerald's Game 2 where Prince is chained up. Ooh. As many people are known to do, two dogs. Uh-huh. So, and then, okay, maybe it's a prequel of how Prince originally became a stray dog and, you know, throw some throw some mm-hmm. Hush references in there, throw some yeah. Oculus references in there, and you've got your... That's it, you've got a movie. We are fleshing out the... <laughs> Flanafan cinematic universe. Nope, not cinematic because some of these movies just go straight to Netflix. The Netflix universe. The, yes, the Flanafan Netflix theatrical. No, <laughs> it's silly me for assuming a director uh, would put his movies in a theater as opposed to just put it online for everyone with a Netflix account. Silly me. Okay, the the Flanafans Netflix experience. Perfect. Yeah, you. I think I feel like you have the sources. You have the connections. You can make this happen. You can reach out to Mike Flanagan. He's clearly on Twitter enough to <laughs> tell everybody about the Oculus connections in his movies <laughs> the day they come out. So good for him. Good for him. I'll, maybe I'll see if Mike Flanagan wants to be on the next episode of my podcast. Perfect. Wait, has he actually secretly been listening this whole time? Are you yes, gonna... he's actually he's here in the room with me, and he's really mad at you. Ah, uh, well, does he, I hope he has a big sourpuss on. He does. Good. He's perfect. Really perfect. Well, let's let's move on to the good stuff here. Let's talk about the connections because that's oh, that's my jam. Finally, we can st- finally we can start the good stuff. It's about yeah. All right, it's about time. Hit record starting right now. <laughs> We've really we're now we're cooking with gas. <laughs> yeah, that was just practice. I wrote um, everything down though. Perfect. Good. Yeah, you can maybe maybe you can put it on your blog. I'll take a screen cap of it and post it on Twitter. <laughs> And just at Mike Flanagan. Hey, here you go, buddy. I know I. this might be a little more than uh, 280 characters, so here you go. I would really love you to do that. All right, so let's, let's talk about the connections. So did you notice any Stephen King connections in the movie? So what I noticed is that when uh, Gerald himself took his shirt off, looks exactly like Stephen King when he takes his shirt off. <laughs> Okay. That's I don't one usually thing. consider that in my connections, but I'll write that down. Uh, we got that. We got the 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 film took place in a bedroom, which is also uh-huh. where Stephen King likes to sleep. He sleeps That's in bedrooms. <laughs> I see what you're doing here. So Stephen King connections. What I'm trying to say is clearly, <laughs> clearly, I have a lot of them. I have a giant exhaustive list, but I feel like you have better ones. So so let's mm-hmm. hear let's hear your connections. Okay, so I have two and a half. Okay. Um, so here's what I have. Um, at one point, Gerald refers to the, the dog, so this is like dead Gerald after he dies, as Cujo over there. 
Oh, I, I must have. I I probably would have picked up on that, but I must have been. I don't know changing my sweatpants or something <laughs> why I was changing them because I felt the ones I was wearing were not formal enough for the movie <laughs> and thinking it was a world premiere I thought right. I could not pause it <laughs> so that explains it perfect that was the that was the exact moment in the movie where you changed your sweatpants for the first time into a different exactly for the first time mm-hmm. into a different pair yes yes okay um, the second one so did you have you read the dark tower no. Oh my god, so you just saw the movie and didn't even know the story? I had no clue what was going on. Yeah, that's that's much worse. Well, the the books are really <laughs> good. Um but so this this may make no sense to you, but um there's a part in the movie where Jesse is saying to dead Gerald, "I'm going to die." And Gerald says to her, "Everything dies, all things serve the beam." Does that mean anything to you? Um so I'm going to assume the beam refers to the duel between Matthew McConaughey and Idris Elba when they have to battle with their magics on a balance beam. Uh, no. no. But I, I do understand, having seen the movie, why you think that. So the beam in the Dark Tower, um, the universe, I guess the multiverse, is held up by a series of beams, which are each gu- uh, guarded by guardians. Um, and so the beam, so in the books, um, the Matthew McConaughey, the whatever the bad guy's name is. Um, <laughs> the bad guy. The guy with the magics. The, the, the man, man in black. black yeah. um, his, his whole thing is he's trying to destroy the beam so that he can destroy the universe. That's like his whole deal. Um, and so a, a common Stephen King quote in a lot of books is, all things serve the beam. Okay. So yeah. there you go. That Just proving the importance of Matthew McConaughey. Yes. It all comes back to the reconnaissance. <laughs> the reconnaissance. All uh, things serve the reconnaissance. And and so what is the old, what is the one you're only giving half? So the one I'm giving half, it's not really a connection because it's more <laughs> just like they were really harping on something that is a theme in the book. So the Gerald's game in the book is tied very closely to another book called Dolores Claiborne. Have you read that one? Uh, and that one has the eclipse in it. Yes. So both both stories take place at the same time. I think it's like July 20th, 1963. Um, and so Dolores Claiborne is on one end of this lake. Um, Jesse, as a kid, is on the other end of the lake. And right when Jesse is being molested, that's the same moment when Dolores Claiborne kills her husband. Um, and so they have like this psychic connection. And in the movie... Um, uh, Jesse tells the story about how she had a dream when she was little where she was in a well and she looked up and she saw a woman looking down at her. Do you remember that? Uh, no, that that was uh, sweatpants change number two. Okay, that was the second one. So she, so she tells this long story about how she had this dream and she looked up from a well and she saw a woman there and the eclipse was behind her and she said, I assumed that that woman was me because she was, you know, she was this adult and she would die before telling anyone what happened to me, whatever. Um, and it turns out that that's Dolores Claiborne because Dolores Claiborne at the same time saw Jesse. Um, so that was like sort of a connection, but like not really because they didn't say who it was, but I'm counting it. Yeah, no, that absolutely counts. And is that scene in the like? Is that in the uh, Kathy Bates Dolores Claiborne? I actually have no idea. So I've never seen the movie. Have you seen it? Oh my god, Maya, you have no. you have a uh, 
whatever this is, a podcast, that's right. You have a TV show. You have a YouTube channel all about Stephen King, and you've never even seen Dolores Claiborne. This is, I gotta go. (laughs) I, to be fair, I'm much more focused on the books than the movies. Oh, see, I don't have time for books because I'm a very busy, very popular guy, and books, books generally take me like every other person, roughly two years to actually yes. read. Per book. A movie? A movie? Three, four hours tops. <laughs> Why are movies taking you four hours? Sweatpants yeah. changes. Exactly. Sometimes I have to rewind it. Sometimes there's a cool dog and I gotta watch that dog again. <laughs> Trust me, watching Cujo is really tough because I... Keep pausing to look at this cool dog do fun, cool things. You know, I um, I heard someone say that Stephen King is the greatest dog writer of all time because in several of his books, so Cujo is one, Gerald's Game is another, he writes from the perspective of the dog, um, and he's just as good as that at that as he is at writing people. If, if that's the case, we got to get him to write one of these uh, Spooky Buddies movies the, What's Spooky Buddies? Oh, okay. Well, you're familiar with Airbud, correct? Uh-huh. Well, and, you know, at some point in the Airbud franchise, they're like, we can't keep making this dog do this stuff. Let's <laughs> let's make the dog have babies, and so that birthed the Airbuddies cinematic universe. Is that, is that real? That is real. And oh so now... Uh, they make movies. Uh, I personally own Santa Buddies and Spooky Buddies, where it's five golden retriever puppies that get into all sorts of wacky shenanigans. Unlike Airbud, though, these puppies talk. Um, why do you own these movies? I'm sorry, what was that? Why do you own these? Um, one of them was like a joke present for Christmas, and the other mm-hmm. one was like three dollars used and it features harland williams as a wizard riding a broom like it's a surfboard so okay i think that's worth that yeah it's uh, what else am i going to do with that three books three three bucks buy a stephen king novel i don't think so uh and uh you know another quick plug is did you see what Stephen King had to say about the stand and Salem's Lot? Which thing? Uh, the most recent thing that they're working on new adaptations of those. Oh no! Yeah, I mean the stand that makes sense that they're like thinking of doing a uh, like HBO Showtime type of yeah. series based off of that, and I believe what he said about Salem's Lot is making it one movie instead of the like three or four hour like mini series event so totally i think that's exciting because one thing that i do every thanksgiving is i watch a different stephen king made for tv something wow. and this past this past thanksgiving i watched salem's lot for the first time I was like, wow, this does not need to be three hours. Yeah. Was it any good? It's all right, but it's it's like that, uh, the concept of Sam's Lot, I feel like, has become 
such a part of pop culture like that concept of ooh there's a there's a vampire you know infiltrating a neighborhood like we saw that in fright night we saw that in like an episode of are you afraid of the dark that it's it it yeah. didn't feel fresh but you know that's because i didn't watch it in the 70s when it initially came out well that's very exciting yeah so keep your eyes peeled maybe i can be a guest after we do Gerald's game too i would love that are you going to start working on it right now? Yeah, yeah, because I'm assuming this podcast is going to run for a good four or five years, so that should give yes. me plenty of time to have... <laughs> for your screenplay. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so is it, sorry, is the Gerald's Game 2 movie going to tie into the Spooky Buddies universe? Oh, boy, it depends on whether or not we're going to get Harlan Williams, you know? Okay. Because <laughs> we have the dogs. Um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to... Th- is that? Do you have I'm a bunch think- of Golden Retriever puppies? Not presently. Okay, but, but you can get it. It's you know, it's only Sunday night. It's only nine PM here, so who knows what kind you of have time. exactly. And really all it's going to take is uh, let's say Prince is chained up and he sees five golden retriever puppies cross the road in front of him. He just needs to look at the camera and say, That's spooky, buddy. And there you go. That's enough of a connection for the Spooky Buddies cinematic universe. I, I think that sounds terrific. One one last thing I wanted to, to shove in here um, is I wanted to talk about the connections in the book, Gerald's Game. Um, since you haven't read the book, I'm just going to list them Perfect. for you. You can tell me if you care. Can't wait. Things. Okay? Yeah. Okay. So the, um, so the eclipse takes place at Darkscore Lake. Um, that's where Jesse is when she's little. There are two other books that Stephen King has that take place at Dark Score Lake. One is Lisey's Story, which is my favorite Stephen King book of and all time. And that's the one he and most wants to turn into a movie. Yes, Mike Flanagan. Oh, no, not Mike Flanagan. No. Dude, Mike Flanagan. No, we can't. We need to st- stay away from the, the Flanafan uh, Netflix universe, okay? <laughs> Uh, Are you saying Stephen King said he wants to turn that into a movie? Yeah, yeah, that's that's you know because he's been doing so much press over the last three weeks. Every yeah. that yeah, that's his go-to response of like the story he's written that he most wants to see turned into a movie or live action, whatever. Well, that is really interesting because Mike Flanagan said in an interview that he wanted to make like that's the book that he would want to make into a movie. Or no, 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 sorry, he said Lisey's Story is his favorite Stephen King book. Okay, Flanagan. Stay away from it. Go <laughs> go make your uh, Haunting of Hell House later this year. Spend your time on that. Let someone else make Lisey's story. Okay, I'll let him know. I already tweeted at him and told him to make Lisey's uh, story. But I'll delete tweet it. it. Yes, please delete it. I'll delete it. No, okay. reply, tag me in it, and say, actually, the Wolfman doesn't Never want to. Okay, I'll do that. So, um, Okay, and then the... and the, yes. Oh, yeah, so the, the other story that also takes place at that lake... Oh, is Bag of Bones. Oh, I read Bag of Bones. It's really good. It's it's long. It's yes, they're all long. <laughs> they're all That's long. the thing. That's the caveat of every Stephen King book. Yeah. Um okay, and then the uh Gerald and Jesse's house, the their summer house or whatever that they have, is on a different lake, which I don't know how to pronounce, but I think it's Kashwakamuk something. Um no, and no, that you, is a do you know how to pronounce it? Uh, you, you try. It is Lake Placid. That's how you say that word. Mm, that is, you're right. That's what it you is. You were close. It's spelled Kashwakama, yeah. but it's pronounced Pronounce Placid. Pronounce Lake Placid. Yes, of course. That makes a lot more sense, actually. I know. I know. 
Um, so that lake also appears in, um, do you want to take a guess at what I'm about to call the worst Stephen King book ever written? It's from the last decade. Um, from the last decade. Oh, um, Shawshank Redemption. The, the book. No. <laughs> you know, the name of that no. book, The Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> um, no, it's Cell. Ooh. Yeah. Now, see, I wasn't aware that the... I know that the movie was terrible, but I, yeah. I did not know that the, the book was also yeah. regarded so poorly. The, the book is very bad, and I, I, it's not even like the writing is that terrible, but just the concept you can't get past, which is, uh, every, if you're not familiar with it, those of you listening, um, everyone turns into zombies because they're using cell phones. Oh, how about that, Stephen King? He's really saying what we're all thinking. It's almost (laughs) like people who use cell phones, it turns them into like a zombie. And now now that I'm thinking about it, when you think about The Walking Dead, isn't it almost like the characters who are alive are really The Walking Dead? Am I right? Mm. I mean, come on. Mm. You really get it. I get it. I sure do get it. So, so that lake appears in the terrible book Cell. It also appears in um, the uh, the short story, which is my favorite short story by Stephen King, Everything's Eventual. Um, and there's, uh, or sorry, the, the book, so there's a short story called Everything's Eventual. The book is called Everything's Eventual. And the short story that mentions that lake is called The Man in the Black Suit. Fun fact. That, that was fun. Lake I had a blast. Yeah. Was that, was that fun? The man um, loves and then, lakes. <laughs> he really does. He has a house on a lake in Maine, and I don't remember what it's called. Uh, well, c- but can I tell you something? Isn't it weird? Of course. That the movie Lake Placid doesn't take place at Lake Placid. Is that true? That is true because Lake Placid refers to ooh, it's a calm, serene lake, but actually, it's not because Betty what? White feeds cows to a giant crocodile that lives in it. But it's not actually like that's all. All you had one job: make a movie yeah. called Lake Placid take place at lake placid but it, it does not so that you should tweet that there's one. my oliver platt cinematic universe trivia for you <laughs> you have a lot of cinematic universes there, because there are so many there's just so, there's many. so many and then my last tiny one which again is kind of a stretch um, in the book, Gerald's Game. So Jesse, like I said, doesn't actually hallucinate people. She just has like voices in her head. And one of them is one she's been hearing since she was little. And she calls it Miss Petrie, which is a teacher that she had. There's also a teacher in the book, The Long Walk. Um, have you read that one? Or do you know about that one? I do not. It's one of his super early ones. And the, the like, no one's ever heard of it because I think it was like the, I don't know, second or third book that he read. Um, and it, it's actually really good. It's a post-apocalyptic thing where... Um, for some reason, all these teenagers have to walk until only one of them is left alive. So they end up walking, you know, like hundreds of thousands of miles and they all either die of starvation or kill each other or whatever. Um, it's a a pretty horrific book. Um, but the kid in that book has a teacher named Miss Petrie. I think that one is more that Stephen King forgot that he already had named a teacher that. Um, but I'm still counting it as a connection. Now I want to know, and uh, you know, you're going to need to drop the, host of Dairy Connection facade mm-hmm. and speak as yourself. Um, okay. 
are these connections that you are so familiar with Stephen King, you were able to pick up on them or did the internet help out a little bit? So there's definitely, when I made my, so I have a website, I don't know if you've seen it, it's called dairyconnection.com, um, where I've been tracking all these connections for years. Um, and when I first made that website, so I had already been tracking all these connections in a spreadsheet like a crazy person for a while. Um, so I had a lot in there that I had just found from books, but when I filled out the website, I did Google um, and found ones that other people had found that I hadn't noticed. Um, now, what I tend to do, so every time I read a new Stephen King book, I'll try and find the connections myself, and then I'll Google it to see if I missed any. Um, but of these, so like Dark Score Lake, is a, that's a big one. Like You just notice that when he mentions it. Um, Lake Kashwakamak, I don't remember if that's one that I found or that already, I think I probably Googled that one. Um, and then um, Miss Petrie, I definitely noticed because I remember when I read Gerald's Game, that stood out to me because in The Long Walk, the kid like talks about his teacher, and I remembered well, it. Well, then, color me impressed. Thank you. And it sounds like they are turning the Dairy Connection into a TV series on Hulu, but they're calling it Castle Rock. Yes. I, I, wish, uh, I wish they had called me to consult, but they didn't. I'm hoping maybe if I do this podcast long enough, they'll start calling me to consult on this. You know what? If uh, Kumail Nanjiani was able to get a cameo in the X-Files, you're well on your way. Thank Uh, you. He and I do have a lot in common. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Ease of saying (laughs) names. um, Yes. uh, Just overall (laughs) visual appearance. You both star in Silicon Valley. Um, Yeah. But yeah, we're basically. T- uh, actually, uh, a friend of mine is working as a carpenter, helping build some of the sets for Castle Rock in <gasps> Eastern Massachusetts. I want to say it's they're uh, shooting in Orange, and okay. I told him one day I was like, "Oh, take me some, take some, take some good picks so I can break some yeah. scoops." And it was basically just stuff that said like Castle Rock Pizzeria. <laughs> There's, he's old, he's building sets right now, so they have not begun filming. They're just building the stuff to eventually film. So yeah, that is so cool. I didn't, I didn't get any hot goss. That's short for goss. Will you let me know if you? Yes. Will you let me know if you do? Oh, absolutely. As soon as okay. I get some hot goss, I'm sending it yes. your way. Perfect. Any final thoughts? We've definitely recorded longer than I meant to, but you, you know, you did warn me about this at the beginning. Yeah, I did warn you that I too have a lot to say about <laughs> a lot of nonsense. Um, yes. No, I mean, uh, I think I'm one of the like rare exceptions of people that like the movies weren't my introduction to Stephen King, the books mm-hmm. weren't my introduction to Stephen King. It was made for TV miniseries that were my Mm -hmm. introductions so like i remember seeing um i want to say it was the langoliers and the uh the shining miniseries that came out maybe maybe not the same year but like relatively close to one another that those were some of my biggest like wow these like the shining i was familiar with uh, i was old enough to be familiar with it but i might not have actually seen the movie before i saw the miniseries so that's why uh every thanksgiving i watch a different miniseries that i've never seen because i feel like the miniseries allow the the people making these 
to fully uh, immerse the viewer in just yeah. how long it takes Stephen King to tell a goddamn story. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, no. So so I'm excited for uh, what Mr. King is doing next. Me too. And um, you know, I I appreciate you coming on my podcast. I think it's going to be someday. This is going to be a huge podcast. Of course. So I think this will you know this will only help promote your already popular website. Absolutely. Thewolfmancometh.com. I, and I'm sure people. I'm sure as soon as this goes up, all of your fans are going to be like, "Wow, that guy's great. He knows." Yeah. so much about Harlan Williams and <laughs> and the filmography of the person who plays the leper in Stephen King's latest adaptation of it we got this guy's got to come back on to talk about the yeah. other two Stephen King things that he knows <laughs> I think that's true I think that's what's going to happen they're going to want more wolf I don't blame them how could they not exactly <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. Um, I'm sure that we'll we'll see you back here soon. Um, yeah. Thank and, your uh, your house is lovely. Uh, your oh, husband you. was delightful to meet. Your uh, <laughs> dog, he and or she was very fluffy. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm a, a huge fan of this New York apartment. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> Like it's six nineteen ninety nine.